0: I love it when you read to me. Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences. And they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
1: Good morning. I am Janice Leibovitz and you are my People of the Book. I'm going to jump straight in and welcome my guest this morning, Hamilton Wendy. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much, Janice. Great to be here.
1: It is wonderful to have you and thank you so much for your understanding that we had to postpone you being on the show from last week because um, you were meant to be a guest on the show last week and unfortunately that didn't happen. So thank you so much for um, shuffling, juggling and here you are today. So thank you. Great. So without further delay, Your latest book, and Hamilton Wendy, to give you some background, um, if you are listening, and I hope you are, we are going to um, let you know, Hamilton has a very, very interesting background, and he is a foreign war correspondent, and I'm actually quite surprisingly excited to be speaking to uh, someone who's a war correspondent, I mean, it's it's got, as ridiculous as it sounds, and I'm sure you've heard this before, there is some glamour associated to this, as as crazy as that sounds. Am I wrong in saying that? Have you heard that before?
0: Huh. I, well, you certainly get the chance to witness the history of your times. And that, to me, is, is a great privilege. And to bear witness to things, sometimes some terrible things. I covered the Rwandan genocide, for example. But I'm very... I don't know if it's glamorous, but it's certainly important. And I think that's something worth noting. Noting bearing witness, holding people to account as best you can is, is, is important, you know?
1: I definitely agree with you. I, I really do. And, and as much as I say, and I, I did um, chat to you a little bit earlier and I said, this really is not my genre that I normally read and it's not something I would ever select. Or pick up off a, off a bookshelf or, or choose um, I am a museum lover, I do enjoy walking around museums and one of my favourites is the, the British War Museum uh, or the Victoria War Museum, I can't remember when I was there last um, and it's quite fascinating um, I can't remember which museum I was at a couple of years ago, obviously not recently but there is a, an exhibit of a, a vehicle that, it, it's an exploded vehicle. It's, it's a bombed out vehicle. And it really brings home to you that, that we, we are living history and you've experienced it right there in front of you in, in living Technicolor. And as you say, it's very important to be able to record this for, for future generations. And this is something that I advocate, um, quite, quite strongly that we need to, to record these things for, for future generation and to leave this legacy so that, that, you know, we always say never again and it shouldn't happen again, but it continues to happen and it goes on on a daily basis. And you have, um, You've been in the thick of it. I mean, you, you've experienced, it says some 17 different wars across the world from Africa to Iraq and Afghanistan. And that, that is, it's quite something. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sure you've had some horrendous experiences that, that you would be able to share. And you obviously bring that into your writing. And we're going to get stuck into the nitty gritty of the actual book, Red Air. First, we're going to take a break, and I know we've only just started the show, but we are going to take a break and then we'll be able to chat about the book. So let's just have a quick break and then we can chat. I love it when you read
0: to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz.
1: I'm back with my guest, Hamilton Wendy. And we are going to be chatting about his latest book, Red Air. And first off, Hamilton, what does the term Red Air actually refers to? What does that mean?
0: Well, it's a term I heard when I was with the US Marines in Afghanistan and we were on a mission. It was a relatively short mission. It was only supposed to last some 48 hours and we, we went into a, we had some extreme heavy shooting with the Taliban that that day, and then moved on into a mud-walled compound, and we settled down for the night, and then at Camp Leatherneck, which was uh, nearby, well, not that nearby, but the helicopters couldn't take off because there was so much dust in the air. And the Marines are talking about it's red air. In other words, uh, dangerous air, I guess, would be another term for it. So the book Red Air is really about when the U.S. Marines, and they they the people I spend a lot of time with, and it is a fictional book, it's not a non-fiction book, um, are unable to use what they call asymmetrical war- warfare. So they're unable to rely on airplanes, uh, uh drones, helicopters to help them in their fight they have to face the Afghans only with the weapons they have and I think that's what I try to do is to turn the, to turn the, conflict the Marines and Afghans into a human interaction, a human encounter surely a combat encounter but uh, to take it into the deep human realms rather than just relying on the technology
1: And I must say, you've certainly done that. And before um, discussing it further, I just want to um, let the listeners know um, a bit about the book. So the book is about a CIA operative by the name of Al Morris, and he gets kidnapped in Afghanistan and it, it sets off a, a chain of events of, of international terrorist intrigue. And his son, Danny, um, is a foreign correspondent. And what happens is that he he's written an article about a terrorist group. And when he writes the article, he, he's on a flight. He's on his way back home. He's, he's in a hurry. He just wants to get home for his son's birthday, for his young son's birthday. So he's not really thinking straight and by accident he he lets slip um a, a one little snippet of information and he betrays um an Afghan warlord, a leader of a terrorist group by the name of asma shah and that leads to shah's son Chiran's capture so in return, they capture Danny's father and that leads to all these events and Danny then returns to Afghanistan with, and he goes into this whole marine with the marines and they lead this whole um, action to go and rescue his father, Al. And when you say you've given this human face because they have to go into, you know, they can't use any of the technology, I found particularly the, the character of, of Shah, Asmaray Shah, he's a terrorist warlord. He's a, he's a leader. He's a terrorist leader. I found him, the humanity of this man, fascinates me. And obviously, that's deliberate on your part. So tell me a bit about him. I mean, you said this is a fictional book, obviously, but um, he's actually such a likable character. Strange thing to say about a terrorist leader. Such a likable character. I, w- I became so fond of
0: him. Well, that's, that's really interesting. And I'm really pleased that you picked up on that because I didn't, I did not want this book to be a kind of rah, rah, Marines are the perfect kind of fighting machines. And believe me, I have immense respect for Marines. So don't, don't get me wrong right, about that. Right, of course. And I also didn't want it to be Afghans are just kind of thoughtless terrorists because they're not. I mean, there are millions of Afghans who really just want to live a simple life. And, you know, one of the things that is not really highlighted in the book, but it's part of it is that a lot of the conflict in Afghanistan is to some degree not over only, not only over ideology, but over land because when the Soviets took over, uh, Afghanistan in 1979, when the communists took over and the Soviets supported them, they confiscated lots of land, and that that land has has still not been returned to its original owners. Or perhaps people believe that they own the land, and other people believe that they own the land. So, Asmara Shah is really he's not a thoughtless terrorist, and there are such people in the world. In fact, Redbeard, who's an American, Red beard, actually, yes, and. Is a thoughtless terrorist and he is a, a deeply traumatized, brutal person who sets off a pipe bomb in, in America. And so. Just, I just
1: to, just to go back on that, um, Redbeard himself is an American who hmm. converted to Islam.
0: Correct, correct. Thanks for, for pointing that out, Janice. So I wanted to turn some of the expectations that we have about human beings on their head. And, um, you know, there are many, many warlords in Afghanistan and there are all sorts of factional kind of disputes. And it is a land where many, many people use the gun to resolve their disputes. So Asmar Shah is caught in that culture of violence, which certainly has been present since the days of the British Empire, and certainly since 1980, when the Soviets invaded, and uh, so. But he's not a. He he is a very human character, and he and and Al come to respect one another, and as warriors, as fathers, as men. So that's important. Is is that it sets off a parallel father-son relationship between Al and. Danny, and Danny is a, is a war correspondent. He rejects, he's a liberal. He rejects his father's service to first the Marines in Vietnam and then later the CIA. Um, but actually subconsciously he's following in his father's footsteps by becoming a war correspondent. And it's only when he's faced with the reality of combat, when he goes out on this Marine, um, mission that he begins to understand the kind of multi-layered paradox that combat Presents human beings with, and increasingly, women are also involved in combat, and that's something that that we can think look at later. But um, there's anger, there's fear, there's joy. Dare I say, in the Iliad, when uh, Achilles defeats his his enemies, his anger when his cousin Patroclus is killed. Um, there's relief, there's depression. So there's all these multi layered kind of um, human psychological experiences and I'm not a psychologist so I didn't write a psychological book, I used the tools of fiction, metaphor image and just storytelling to try and expose that, or not expose but to investigate that multi-layered paradox that is the war and combat experience
1: and, and I think you you've done an outstanding job at that and particularly I mean you right in the beginning of the well look you you start off the book immediately, I mean, you dive right in i mean right at the start from the get go there's action right at the start, but from the 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 time that we first meet Asmara Shah, we're not sure what to think of him, but Quite soon after that, when, the, when there's this confrontation with Redbeard, when Al realizes who he is, because initially he's, you know, he can't see him properly, he realizes who he is, but then immediately we see Shah's reaction to him and to the way he behaves, and then we immediately realize that he has captured Al for one reason and one reason only, and he's not going to take advantage of that. He's not going to go off at a tangent. And Red Beard is there to to. He wants vengeance. He just he he's he's a he's a stray bullet.
0: Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a disaffected white American male, and we've seen that happening in America from a distance on January 6th with the right wing where yes. a lot of dis, dis, mostly dis not entirely but most mostly disaffected white males who have become kind of untethered from society as it changes and becomes more uh, you know heterogenic and and more and more kind of diverse uh so redbeard and redbeard is one of those disaffected males in his case he turns to radical Islam to try and find some kind of identity um, Redbeard is based On a real character I'd never met such a person But there was In southern Afghanistan There was an American called Redbeard Who was Floating around And the Marines talked about him And what they would do if they caught him And So that it is Based on a real character, there there are quite a number of Western people, Europeans and Americans, who become disaffected and turn to radical Islam for some kind of, you know, emotional crutch. I guess.
1: Uh, And and Allah really has his number because he says, you know, you were rejected. You were the kid in school who couldn't join the football team, and nobody liked you, and he he really pulls that psychological number on him and he, you know, you, you know, you were the kid and your father was never there. And he said, my father was just, you know, sitting there smoking pot. He never did anything for him. And he turned somewhere where he turned to something where he felt accepted.
0: Exactly. And I, I think that's what happens with a lot of, it's happening in the modern world, all over the world. And, uh, the lack of identity that many people feel paradoxically in a world where we're more connected through social media and things like Skype as we're talking now. Right. Uh, many, many people and particularly it seems males become disconnected from reality. They become disconnected from the world around them. And Redbeard is one of those, those men and he goes to Afghanistan and finds some kind of identity in, in being a cruel, Radical Islamic fighter. Um, you know, but the, but let's stress, not all of Islam is like that and not all Absolutely. of Absolutely. Not you all know, of it, it, it is a religion of peace. Exactly. And, and so through Asma Ray Shah, I mean, Janice, you've really read the book very, very well and I'm, I'm really quite moved by that. Um, you know, Asma Ray Shah kidnaps Al Morris, the former CIA, the CIA operative. For a particular reason, not out of just disaffection and lack of identity, but because he needs in a world, in a society of violence, he needs to achieve a goal, which is to free his own son. So he and Al become connected through their love for their sons and their respect for each other. And, and that's again where I'm trying to humanize the afghan experience look i 'm not an afghan i i don 't understand the experience, but I have met many Afghans spend a lot of time with them and it was very important in the book to show that you know Afghans have suffered yes. and that many still retain their humanity despite that and and let 's not forget that you know
1: and the interesting thing is you say they connected through their sons, but when shah, shah tells um al that He's called for his son to come. Al immediately says, well, his son's not going to come because they don't have a good relationship. They've never had a close relationship since since um, Danny was a child. And he, he knows they're not connected, not like Shah is to his son. So he knows that their connections are different. Their family connection is different. The family bond is different. The meaning is different. He doesn't realize that, um, that Danny is on his way.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, it's also Al being a bit of a tough guy, uh, which is part of his persona. Um, you know, one of the things you have to do as a soldier, as a combatant, because people in Afghanistan are also, they may not, they are, they may not be soldiers, but they're combatants is kind of submerge your feelings. And um act and do. And Al spent a life of acting and doing and submerging his feelings. And yeah, I think you know you've hit on a really important part of the book. You know, Al doesn't necessarily believe that Danny cares about him. Uh but Danny does. And that's as they begin to come together through combat, they he they begin Al Danny begins to understand. What his father went through and that it's, it's, it is complex and it's not easy. And war is a reality that exists in our world. And as you said in the beginning of the show, we always say never again. And yet it, it continues to happen. Perhaps the best thing we can hope for in a co- conflict ridden world, which we live in and have lived in certainly probably since Neolithic times is that we. Instill some kind code of honor and discipline into combatants, so that they can limit the amount of damage, so that it doesn't become an orgy of of violence and no. and cruelty. Um, so you know that's something that Danny begins to respect in L is that he wasn't just a kind of a cruel killer; he was somebody who served his country and. Uh, that's become an unpopular notion in, in many parts of the world, but it, it remains important. And, uh, you know, I don't see my country overall, yeah, but, cert- but certainly respect and honor and service are part of the military experience.
1: And I think in saying that, that instilling that sense of of importance in, in what you're doing in in combatants, I think that you you show that really well you portray, you portray that really well in the different personalities of all the marines in that team. You certainly showed each of them you you brought them to life really well and and we we were able to get a sense of all the different personalities playing out because there's a whole team that goes in, and we get to know each of them in in. Their own small little way. I mean, I particularly loved um, the first two guys who arrive at Danny's room. I think it's Andy and Trey, who arrive at Danny's room at the half past two in the morning in Dubai. And, I mean, they were hilarious. I just pictured them on a TV screen or on a movie screen. And that that was when I thought, this is going to make a great film or, or mini series or something when those two guys walked in and I thought, oh wow, I love these two because they were awesome personalities. But then we saw the personalities of the rest of the team and you see each of them and how different they are and, and they're doing this for a reason and, and that their, their passion and how they feel about what they're doing, why they're doing it and it and all it all is is displayed so so well and so beautifully
0: well exactly well, i mean i I met a lot of marines and spent a lot of time hanging out with marines um talking to young guys who were nineteen, older officers in their thirties um, and yeah, a lot of people. Are in the Marines for different reasons, some of them economic reasons, some of them because they really believe in the, the art and science of, of, of the military, of being a soldier. I mean, one of the captains I worked with, uh, was an amazing guy and he's, he's risen, he's rising through the ranks and, um, he's got a degree in astrophysics. Uh, yeah. not, a, not every Marine has that, of course. Uh, right. But also, you know, there's a character arc of Trey and Andy, who you mentioned, who are the tough men from the CIA who who find their way into his hotel room in Dubai when he's when Danny's on his way to Afghanistan. And it's only as they begin, to, they don't have much respect for Danny. They don't have much respect for liberal journalists, you know, and Danny doesn't have much respect for them. So we partly seeing Andy and Trey through Danny's eyes as as kind of stereotypical hard men, but they grow to have a respect for one another as the the brutality and the, the the deeply frightening and difficult choices you have to make in combat become a reality for Danny and they begin to see each other in a different light, in a in a in a light of wow, well, we went through that and it's really difficult to explain to somebody else, and that's yes. one of the things I did with the dialogue is I kept it quite clipped, so that you know Hemingway always said that you know the uh, the best sentence was like an iceberg. You saw the ten percent, but ninety percent of the the meaning it's is unsaid. Is unsaid, and uh, that's what I tried to do, which reflects my experience with the Marines. I mean, they incredibly they might not like one another. But there's very little, if any, backbiting or skinnering they've got a job to do. They need to protect each other's backs. And um, you only get a sense of sometimes of what's really going in their heads through trying to understand that 90% of what's unsaid.
1: Right. We're going to take you- a break not- right yeah, now.
0: Oh, okay.
1: We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to chat, like you said earlier, about the women the female aspect of war and the involvement of women after this break. I love it
0: when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz.
1: I'm back with my guest, Hamilton Wendy, and we are chatting about his latest book, Red Air, and about the concept of war. And war in general and the, the individuals who make up the parties that participate in war. What happens in war? Who, who is, who are the parties that, that battle it out? And we, we don't profess to be psychologists, but we are talking about the human side of war and The psychological aspect of it, and the the humanity, and the human side of it, Hamilton. Um, sorry, before the break, you were saying something, and I cut you off. What was it that you were trying to to
0: say? say Was um, fear and deep, 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 deep existential fear is part of the war experience, and everybody feels it. And what I found with the Marines is they would obviously have to just do their job and they are trained psychologically and physically to overcome fear. but kind of understated and I remember it was quite interesting because one of the young Marines they, some, I was you know in my late 40s when I went so I was older than some of their fathers, and one of them said to me, "I've got a bad feeling about this, I've got a bad feeling." In the very first, we we went on a 15 day. I walked for 15 days through Helmand Province with a a battalion of U.S. Marines, and that, that had a tremendous negative effect on my own morale and my own fear because I felt fear every kind of conscious moment when I was there. But I still had to film and take notes, and so I was, you know, able to do that. And the point is, nothing happened to that Marine. So that sometimes our negative feelings I learned that lesson And I, I just wanted to share that with the listeners Sometimes our negative feelings That we have a bad feeling about something Or we think something's going to ro- go, go wrong Are not necessarily correct um, Because I, I don't remember the marine's name I've got it in a notebook somewhere um, Nothing happened to him So I found that a powerful kind of lesson In terms of how the universe works And you actually have to
1: wonder why He had that feeling
0: well, you know, I think it replies. I wonder. All the, I
1: wonder about things like that.
0: Of course, we do. And in this time of COVID, I mean, it's a fearful time and it, it's fear-filled time, I should say. And um so, you know, fear is not unique to to war and soldiers and 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 people in combat, but it is highly kind of distilled into your consciousness when you are in combat. But it isn't really different to anything that we feel as as human beings on a day-to-day basis. And perhaps one of the positive lessons you can take away from combat is not to believe in your worst thoughts, which I think is a mistake we sometimes make in our own lives, wherever we are. And uh, that's something you know, it's easier said than done, of course. But just because you think it's gonna happen doesn't mean it is gonna happen.
1: It's like the law of attraction, you know, what you put out to the universe comes back to you.
0: Well, I, I would be very careful with that because this, this particular young Marine who was about 19 years old, he came from a poor family in America, was definitely putting fear out into the universe and he expressed it to me as an older man. Because he had no one else he could talk to, and of course I didn't tell anyone about it. I kept it to myself. Yeah. But he didn't attract any danger. I mean, of course he was in danger. We were all in danger. Yes. But he, but he was in no more danger or no more of a negative situation than any of us, even though he felt terribly scared, and we all at least, perhaps paradoxically, had the courage to express his fear. So all I'm saying is that let's not always believe. And I'm being a bit philosophical here that the negative things that we think about are going to happen. And even if they do happen, I know this sounds like a bit of pop psychology, but learning it in combat is, is, is something that is a lesson reinforced that you can survive these terrifying situations and you can get through it and come out more bonded with the people you, you shared it with and perhaps stronger, sometimes weaker. And we need to heal. Um, I mean, all of these things, combat, I guess, now I'm really talking about something, combat is a metaphor for life. Yes.
1: Yes. So, like I said before the break, I wanted to um, chat briefly about um, women in war and, and how you've represented them in the book because um, there is definitely a, a a female element
0: in your book. Well... Um, Paradoxically, most of the women who appear as characters in the book are not Western women married to, to, to Al or Danny, although that does, that there, there are backstories where that happens. And actually the opening of the book, Danny is with his family in New York and then he gets taken out of his family and thrown into combat. And that's something that I experienced being taken out of my family in Johannesburg, my wife and kids, and then being thrown into combat in faraway Afghanistan. Um, but many of the Afghan women at least are not are not permitted to express themselves publicly, certainly not to a western to a western male, so that their experience is reflected in what Danny particularly sees and what al sees, and it's a kind of underlying theme, so paradoxically it becomes a very strong theme i mean there's one particular Time when a young woman in her early twenties had been, had picked up an IED at the beginning of yes. the Afghan war in 2001. Remember, it's, it's 21 years nearly that America's been involved in Afghanistan. So that, that young woman is in her early twenties now and she's crippled from it. And that's a very powerful Extremely. reminder. It's a very powerful reminder. It's a powerful image. I, you know it's a reminder to Al of what the realities and the brutality of war and of technological war can do and I don't say that I have a solution for that or that Al has a solution for that but we certainly should at the very least put it on record that the suffering happened.
1: Yes we're going to take a break and then we'll be back to unfortunately have a quick wrap up I love it.
0: This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz.
1: I am back with my guest, Hamilton Wendy, and we've been chatting about his book, Red Air, which is a thriller of a book, I have to say. I don't really read generally in the genre of um, war stories or anything like that, but I have to um, admit, and I do highly recommend it, especially if you do generally enjoy this genre. But as I was saying to Hamilton earlier, um, I know that that in general women don't really read this type of book, but I would recommend it. It's you know especially if you want to read something different. And I said we were going to talk about this. And Hamilton, who who has been reading this book? What feedback have you been getting?
0: Well, I've got very positive feedback. Um, obviously from quite a few men, but I. I've had tremendously, unexpectedly large numbers of women who have liked the book, all of them say exactly like you do, it's not necessarily my genre, it's not something I would pick up normally, but having read it, I really felt that I understood the experience of what it's like to be a soldier in combat. And and that's what I really wanted to achieve with the book, um, was to tell an exciting story that I, I agree is very cinematic. I'm also a television producer, so I have a very filmic and cinematic kind of way of storytelling anyway. But also to really try and through storytelling to get at the human experience, to leave people understanding on a kind of instinctual level what combat is about and not necessarily... Analyze it in an intellectual or psychological way, which of course there's a a tremendously important role for, particularly in in treating people with post-traumatic stress. But to try and understand instinctually what it's like to be in combat and what the effect of the choices you have to make in combat leave on human beings and how they experience it is what I wanted to achieve. And I found a lot of women have reacted to that.
1: I'm sure. And I mean, it, it really is. It's a behind the, behind the scenes look at the inner workings of the war machine. It really is. I mean, a detailed behind the scenes look at
0: that. Yeah, that's a very wow. interesting. I never thought of it behind the scenes. I thought it was right on the front lines. But there is a lot of stuff that you don't see on the news where, you know, people are back at base camp expressing fears um, They are remembering their families. They are, you know, experiencing trauma that is going to last a lifetime. But at the same time, having survived the trauma, as I said earlier, and having made, learned to make choices under situations of fear is something we can all take from the book and from my experiences with the Marines in Afghanistan.
1: And and would a screenplay be on the cards?
0: Well, I haven't written a screenplay. I've, <laughs> I um, but I've had more than one person say it's going to be a great a great film. Um, I I need to pursue that option. Um, the book only came out late last year, just before the kind of December holidays break, and then I got very very busy. I'm fortunate to say working on a documentary for Al Jazeera. And, uh, covering the Ugandan elections with Sky News. Uh, so it's only now that I'm sort of taking a breather and trying to see how I can take the book forward in, in, into the world.
1: Okay. So we'll, uh, we'll be on the lookout for that. And where is the book available?
0: Well, it's mostly available on Amazon. Uh, you can download it on a Kindle or you can, uh, can order the, the paper copy. There are also copies available at Love Books in Melville. Um, and also at Bridge Books in downtown Johannesburg. And you can also order it from clockworkbooks.coza. Let me repeat that again, clockworkbooks.coza. Um, Clockwork Books is the publisher of my Arabella Children's Series, and it's up on their website as well, uh, Red Air. So if you go to clockworkbooks.coza, you can order it from there as well.
1: Fabulous. Hamilton, Wendy, it has been an absolute pleasure and so interesting chatting to you this morning. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you, Janice. You've been a, a wonderful host and you really read the book and I, I really appreciate your insights. They've, they've certainly given me more insights. That's one of the great things about a book is it ripples through the world.
1: I'm so pleased to hear that. Thank you once again. And if you are listening, thank you for listening in. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, wear your masks, and read a book.